good morning. It's great to see your faces this morning and, and just be back in the house of the Lord with you guys. When Tammy and I were off at our sabbatical, we had the opportunity to go to a place called the Creation Museum. Uh, perhaps you've been there. It's really an incredible place there in Kentucky. Maybe you've heard of the Ark Encounter. And while there, we just got to be reacquainted with God's creative order. Um, how he made everything, how he created everything. When you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, you learn about that third day. And on that third day, he created all vegetation. So when you and I look around and we see the beautiful trees, the fruit, the vegetation, that brings life in God's creative order. Uh, he designed that to bring life so that it could sustain life going forward. That's kind of what's behind the messaging that we read in Proverbs. That God is a God of order, and when things are brought into disorder, it creates confusion, right? And when he talks to us about giving, in Proverbs we read this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. It's, it's like the farmer, the farmer whose intent is to grow much of a harvest so that many, many could be fed by that. But he understands that in order for there to be a harvest, there's a great creator that owns it all, that makes it all, that designed it all. And so to do things in his order, it brings plenty to plenty, much for others. But in order for that to happen in our wealth, we are to first honor him, our creator, and say, you know what? Everything that you've made that is good, I give this to you first. And that by doing that, we are glorifying God, which is the chief purpose of man. Here is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. And by that, you prove that you are his disciples. Let's pray together. God, you are so good. You have given us the clarity of your word that lets us know how things are and how things are to be because of you. And so because of this, Father, we honor you with our wealth. We honor you with our life. We know that this is how we can glorify you. And so we praise you with our gifts, with our giving, with our worship through our offerings. Lord, I pray that you would also bless the other churches in our community. Crossway Church in um, Port Orchard, Lord, we pray that you would bless them and Pastor Chad today. Do a wonderful work. Allow your gospel message to go forth and people to respond in saving faith. We give you praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Psalms says, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world to save me. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him. Sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Yes, yes. we will sing, sing, sing. Joy to the
seated. In just a few moments, we're going to be taking communion together. And this is our opportunity to remember what uh, our Lord did on our behalf as his children and as his church. When the Apostle Paul was gathering together the Ephesian elders, he knew it was 
probably going to be his last time to be with them. And, and so he gathered them together and he, he reminded them that they, they really needed to make sure that they took care of themselves and took care of the, the church of God, which the Holy Spirit had uh, appointed them to do. But he said this, he said, this is a very important thing because this church, you, his people, have been purchased by the blood of Christ. Paul went on to explain to the church at Corinth that it was a very important thing because they had begun to take lightly uh, communion and they had forgotten something. They had forgotten the great price that had been paid because they were taking it so lightly. And so when we take communion today, we need to remember that it was of a great price that was paid. It was the blood of Christ and his body that was given for us. So when Jesus Christ gathered together his disciples, he didn't want them to forget. He wanted them to know that it was a new covenant that he was bringing to them. It was going to be a covenant of grace as he launched the church. And these people were going to be able to, these disciples were going to be able to take the message of the gospel throughout the world. And 2,000 years later, we are remembering what Jesus did with his disciples. And we're remembering, and we're going to remember not lightly, but with great reverence and with great prayer. So Jesus, when he gathers his disciples, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. In just a moment, we're, the, the music is going to continue. We're not going to sing a song. You're going to have opportunity to go take the, uh, the cup that will have a little wafer that represents the blood and a little cup that has juice that, uh, or that represents his body and then the juice that represents the blood. And just take that, bring it back to your seat, and begin to talk to the Lord. Give him thanks. Give him praise. And if there's any unconfessed sin or anything that's, that's standing in the way of your fellowship with him, make sure that you take care of that as you take of the bread and of the juice. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, just simply observe. And one day, when you are a follower of his, you will really represent or you will really appreciate what this gift is to be able to remember. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that you gave your life, that you shed your blood, that you gave your body as a sacrifice so that we can enter into a relationship with you by faith. Thank you for this gift of grace. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
for the blood of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken. Thank you, Jesus. This morning we're going to be singing a new song uh, that your Grace Point team wrote for you. It's called The Light Has Come. It's an exciting thing. It's also a nervous thing that we feel getting to share a song with you. It's such an honor to be able to write new music. Uh, but this song is based on a scripture that says the true light has come into the world. And I'm so thankful for that light that has come into my life. I was once in darkness and he called me into his glorious light, into relationship with him. And that's what this song is about. This song is about being called out of darkness and into the light of Christ. We're gonna sing this song for the next couple of weeks so that you guys really get it, so you can sing it with strength and power and conviction on Christmas Eve for all of those who need to still come out of the darkness and into the light. So as we sing this song, I just pray that it would be a blessing to you. I pray that you would just listen and take the words in. We love you, Jesus. Oh, great sinner, surrounded by darkness, a light has come, a light has come. All you who are weary and burdened with sorrows, a light has come, a light has come. The King is born in Bethlehem. Come and see what God has done for us. The light of man has come to us. Rejoice, sing for joy. 
Thank you for being in this house and also thank you for watching online. Today we begin a uh, new Christmas series, three-part series called The Dividing Line. The Dividing Line. And the dividing line of all of human history that changed everything was the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ. And so uh, this Christmas season we're going to look at prophecies in the B.C., about the Messiah that were fulfilled in the A.D. So we're going to have fun with this series. Now, we have, humans have not always kept track of time. Uh, the first human beings who began to categorize time by th this many years, this king reigned, and then this king came in this many years. The, the first uh, group of people to begin to capturing time it was in the ancient Mesopotamian Valley. But it wasn't until 525 A.D. that uh, the official global calendar standard began. It began by a, a, a Romanian monk by the, by the name of Dionysus, or I call Dion, um, Exegus. This Dionysus monk began to put really time together and he came up with this global standard. Now, B.C. means before Christ. B.C., before Christ. 
AD, the myth is that it means after death. Nope, that is not accurate. That is not accurate at all because we're not, we're not highlighting the death of Jesus. We're highlighting the birth of Jesus. AD, there was a Latin, you know, uh, paraphrase, uh, Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. And he's the one that, that started this. Now, centuries later, historians looked at the map and the calendar and, and all that, and they found that uh, Dionysus was, was close, but he was off about four to seven years. So, actually about four to seven years in, that's when actually it began. And when he started this timeline, zero was not even invented yet in mathematics. So, that's why it started with one. Now, you'll see with the BC, the numbers are counting down uh, according to history, like, like uh, go ahead and put the next slide up. Um, Abraham was 1,289 years before Christ, all right, then King David 1,000 years before Christ, and Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, about 700 years before Christ. The numbers counted down to one, and then it started going up you know, in time, Roman fall, you know, Romans fall, the Reformation, moon's landing, birthdays began to be a thing on a month, day, year um, since, since all this took place. Now, this has been going on for centuries, the B.C. A.D., but it's been recently that there's been a worldwide move against Christianity, against anything with Christ, so they've come up with a secular uh, description for the global calendar. And it's BCE, before the common era, and CE, the common era. They can do that, but you're not getting rid of Jesus, right? Because Jesus, his birth was the dividing line of all of human calendars and times. And there's been all sorts of surveys done for hundreds of years of who is the most influential human being ever in history. And time and time and time again, Jesus is the number one most important human being ever. The Son of God in human flesh. I love what the historian Philip Schaff said about Jesus, just the impact of, of all time. He said this, without money and weapons, Jesus conquered more millions than any military general. Without science, Jesus shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, Jesus spoke words of life that have never been spoken before or since. And without Writing a single line, Jesus set more pens in motion in sermons and poetry and discussions and books and songs of praise than anyone in human history. Jesus and the birth of Jesus truly was the dividing line. So go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. Uh, this, it's a, if you're new to Bible study, there's for, the four first, four first books in the New Testament is the Gospels, meaning good news. Uh, Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus, he wrote that. Mark, 
was, uh, was a friend to Peter, and he sat Peter down and kind of put Peter's perspective on the times in life and the teachings of Jesus. Luke was a Greek who gathered eyewitnesses to put together a reliable account. And John was a disciple of Jesus, the last disciple to, to live. And from John chapter 1... Uh, it really, this is the basis of this entire series, but it's the basis of this year's Christmas theme here at Grace Point Church is that the true light has come. The true light has come. That's why we have a photo booth out there talking about the, that's the theme, the true light has come. And then we encourage our Grace Point families to uh, get their family Christmas portrait at the photo booth. Uh, the Sundays prior to Christmas Eve because the photo booth, we're having longer and longer lines from our community, which is awesome. So let's, let's help them by getting our family pictures um, before that. Also, wasn't that fantastic, a, a song, a Grace Point Christmas song? Absolutely fantastic. Last spring, uh, I, I kind of commissioned Nash to gather a team and to let's have our own Grace Point Christmas song, and here's the theme. <laughs> this is in the spring. This, here's the theme of Christmas. Beautiful, beautiful song. We need to get it published and um, get, spread it out. I don't know how we can do that, but they can figure that out. John. Really inspired by God to, to write about Jesus. The other Gospels have been written. John had seen his friends get martyred and killed. The disciples took literally, Jesus said, I'm going to go in to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back. They thought that Jesus would come back in their lifetime. That's why they didn't immediately sit down and start writing firsthand information about what Jesus did, what he said, the events. They thought Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. So John is an older man now. And yes, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he also was a human writer, human person. Could you imagine John going, how, how do I use human words to describe the indescribable? How do I, how do I capture who Jesus is I saw him walk on water. I saw him heal the lepers. I saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. How, how do I describe, how do I put in words the indescribable? Where do I begin? Well, do I begin at the birth of Christ? Well, Luke did that. <laughs> do I begin with, you know, listening to the genealogy of Jesus? No, Matthew did that. Do I begin with Abraham and the promise given to the world that through Abraham the world will be blessed? No, let's, let's go back even further. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John was trying his best to describe the indescribable. So let's begin reading in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. So he starts all the way at the beginning, in the beginning. The Word, capital W, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, God whose name was John. He wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about John the baptizer. Verse 7, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him, through Jesus, all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, and I'm actually starting to read for next Sunday. Hold on, verse 9. will <laughs> stop right there. So God gave him really two kind of pictures to describe the indescribable. First of all, the Word, capital W. He was the world, Word. And there was, he was with God, and he was God. Why the Word? Why the Word? Well, as he goes on to describe that he created everything, because the first recorded command in Scripture was the command, let there be light. The Word gave the Word. Let there be light. So first of all, the picture of the Word, but also light. He was the light. The light. If you're taking... Uh, notice this morning, the central point is this. The birth of Christ marked the moment when darkness was invaded by the light of the world. Now, we're going to say it again, and you're going to help me snap. After moment, snap, pause, and we'll continue. All right, let's read it together. The birth of Christ marked the moment when darkness was invaded by the light of the world. Now, I think you can be a little louder than that. We have crowd mics over here. This is for our online audience. They hear me all the time. Let's try this again with a little more volume and snap as loud as you can. Here we go, ready to go? The birth of Christ marked the moment when darkness was invaded by the light of the world. Everything changed. Everything changed when the light came. So now, I'm going to have you turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. If you're new to Bible study, if you have a real Bible, I mean a physical Bible, go about the middle, a little bit right to the middle, and you'll find Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet 700 years before Christ. What we're going to look at is some of the prophecies about the coming Messiah in the B.C. that was fulfilled in the A.D. Now, you've got to understand, God in prophecies has always got to drop in some crumbs, little clues to help us understand. And Isaiah is filled with a lot of messianic prophecies of the Messiah is coming. And we see in, in Isaiah chapter 9... Uh, they're talking to really Isaiah through again the Holy Spirit is saying that darkness was gonna be invaded by the light. And we see a little glimpse in chapter 9, verse 2. 
it says this, that when the Messiah comes, it's talking about this, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then a couple of verses over in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is a messianic prophecy section. That a, a world living in darkness, in deep darkness, a light will come. A light will dawn on them. Now turn over to Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. Here's a couple more Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. Isaiah 42, we'll read verses 1 through 7. It's describing the Messiah as a servant of the Lord. And that's what Jesus was. He was a servant to God the Father as God the Son. He, he was always saying, as my Father sent me, as my Father said. He was a servant of the Lord. Chapter 42, verse 1. He says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretched them out, who spread out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you. And make you be a covenant to the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind. To free captives from prison. And to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. One more, chapter 49, verse 6. Another prophecy about the servant of the Lord, Messiah coming, verse 6. He says, is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The Messiah, the great light is going to come. In deep darkness, the light will come. He will be born as a child. The Messiah will be a servant of the Lord, and he will fulfill the prophecy and the fulfillment of God's people with the law, the, the first covenant. And Jesus came and he fulfilled the first covenant. And then it says, and I love this, that he will also come to be a light to the Gentiles. That is, any one of us that is not Jewish, we're Gentile. These prophecies are absolutely, absolutely beautiful. The birth 
of Christ, the defining moment, the defining line, the birth of Christ, marked the moment. Ah, you're in good job. I was testing you. Mark the moment when darkness was invaded by the light of the world. Did you realize that the Old Testament was prophesying that it would be a light coming into darkness? That this light was not just for the Jews. It was given to the Jews first, but then to the whole world. That he was the light of the world, not a light of one nation. The prophecy of Abraham has been fulfilled. That Abraham, through your lineage, the whole world would be blessed. And it came as a picture, as a form of, as John would say, a light. The light, the true light. Now let me show you some benefits of light. God's kind of light, not artificial light. God's light. There are physical and emotional um, you know, really things that help us. We need light, and it shows up physically and emotionally. Light, God's light, sunlight, gives us natural vitamin D, my favorite vitamin. It improves our sleep pattern. It helps us focus, and it wards off depression, and it makes us happier. That's why summer is more happier in most winters, I say this as a former Californian, everything is better in sunshine. There's a physical and emotional thing that light does to us in the positive. But when there's a lack of light, there's a negative effect physically and emotionally. When there's a lack of light, our hormones become unbalanced. We become irritable. We have a weakened immune system with a lack of light. And a lack of light hinders our brain from happening faster, like working faster when there's a lack of light. I don't know if you've been reading anything about the stories coming out of Israel of the, the hostages that have been released. These children, these little kids, these teenagers, these elderly uh, people, for 50 plus days, 50 days or 50 plus days, they were down below earth in darkness. And a lot of their physical and emotional well-being went into the negative because of a lack of light. A lack of light, practically speaking, uh, when there's a lack of life, we, light, we get lost. You ever trying to find something in the dark? We get disoriented with a lack of light. When there's a lack of light, we trip easily and hurt ourselves. And in darkness, there's more danger. There's more crime that takes place in darkness. Spiritually speaking, spiritual blindness, darkness not only affects us physically and emotionally, but spiritual blindness affects us spiritually. When someone does not have a relationship with Jesus, the light of the world. They are blinded by their sin and their need of a Savior. Spiritual blindness also help, has us alienated from God. 
We're separated from God because of our sin and our spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness, we are unable to understand God and the things of God, understand the Word of God, understand worship. That doesn't make any sense. It's because we are spiritually blind. When we're spiritually blind, the truth is suppressed, and sin grows in darkness. Wickedness grows in darkness. That's why Jesus, when he came in John chapter 3, he said this, this is the verdict, speaking of himself, light has come, capital L, I mean, it was a noun, he's talking about himself. The light has come into the world, but people, this is true, love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. uh, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes to the light. So that it may be seen plainly that what, they have, what, uh, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we now understand that I was never faking God out when I was sinning. He saw it all. See, we didn't, we didn't really understand that when we were in darkness spiritually. But now we have spiritual light because of Christ. Now we go, wait a second, I, I can't hide anything from my God anymore. And that's a good thing, all right? Because when we, we think no one knows, no one will find out. We become incredibly stupid because we think, well, no one will know. But then spiritually we understand, wait a second, God sees everything. God sees everything. The spiritual light gives us freedom, gives us truth, gives us grace, gives us forgiveness. So here's some more verses uh, about light. In Psalm 18, it says, my God turns my darkness into light. That's what God does. Colossians chapter 1, what a contrast. He says that he, Jesus, has qualified you to share in, goes on to say, share in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion, bondage, right? The shackles of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. What kingdom? The kingdom of light. Now make sure you understand this, that Jesus is the one that qualifies you and I to get into his kingdom of light. We don't qualify ourselves. We can't go to church enough times to qualify ourselves for the kingdom of light. We can't do enough good things to qualify ourselves. Jesus is the only one that qualifies us because he paid it all on the cross, all of your sin and my sin. And when we trust in him, the contrast is we were once in the dominion of darkness and now we are ushered into the kingdom of his light. So let's go back to the base text in John chapter 1. John, again, trying to describe the undescribable. He says that in him is life. And the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it still hasn't overcome it. It will never overcome it. The light always wins. But John does something unique. He connects Life and light together. If you think about it for your notes, 
Light has always been connected to life. The light has always been connected to life. First of all, at creation, the world was void. The globe was void and dark. There were no stars yet. There was no light. It was in darkness. And in the darkness, the word, Jesus said, let there be what? Light. And because there was light on planet Earth, life can now grow. Life can now be established. And when Jesus said, let there be light, and he placed the sun in a perfect position. Because if Jesus would have placed the sun, and it's a small sun compared to other suns, but if he put the light that we have called the sun one degree closer to planet Earth, life could not be livable because everything would burn up. And if Jesus would have put the sun a, a one degree away, uh, away from the sun, life on Earth would not be livable because we would all freeze. Everything would be frozen. It was no accident. Jesus spoke it into existence and placed it perfectly so that this light could produce life on planet Earth. See, light has always been connected to life. This also shows up in conception, at conception, at conception. I don't know if you know this, but in 2016, not too long ago, in, in the Northwestern University in Chicago, they recorded for the first time the moment where the sperm entered the egg. And when the sperm enters the egg, there is an explosion of light. The other eggs that has not been, you know, impregnated by the sperm, there's no light. But that one egg, the, 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 egg gets, uh, the sperm gets inside, there's a flash of light. That's why, for me, understanding Psalm 139, life begins at the moment of conception. And everything changes. And everything multiplies. And eventually a baby is born. But light has always been connected to life. At creation, at conception, and also at salvation. At the moment we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there's a change. We were in darkness, now we're in light. The light that helps physical life happen is the same, on the spiritual level, the light of Jesus helps us to then begin growing spiritually. We were in the darkness, now we're in the light. Spiritual life, spiritual light happens the moment we accept the light of the world as our Savior. The birth of Jesus, the birth of the Messiah, marked the moment when darkness was forever invaded by the light of the world. I am so, I am so ready for heaven. I mean, I, I, loved, I love seeing, we've got kids coming home and grandkids coming home for Christmas for the first time in a couple of years. And I'm, we're, we're counting down the days, we're decorating, we're going crazy. But I, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, I'm ready for heaven at any moment. I'll get to party with my kids and grandkids forever. All right? 
But I love John, the same John, is God as Jesus is actually saying, write these things down. When he gets to the end of Revelation, he says that in heaven there is no darkness because the light is there. The light is ever present. You think about, think about this month, the darkest month of the year. We celebrate the true light coming into the world. Most people accept Jesus as their Savior to be their light in their darkest chapters. Most people come to Christ, come to salvation when they're in the dark in many ways in their life. We're running from God and trying to figure out life on their own. And finally, they get to the point where they surrender. And they ask Jesus to be their Savior, and boom. The light of the world is now their Savior. I tell you, I don't know how people live, go through life without God, without a relationship with Jesus. See, when, when I went through my depression... I went through a, a season of depression and did my best to not tell everybody on Sunday morning. Um, I, the light was still carrying me. When we have been in grief and our heart is hurting because we lost someone so dear to us, it was the light carrying us through those dark days. I don't know how People make it through life. Actually, they don't make it through life. They turn to substance. They turn to relationships. They turn to all sorts of things trying to cope with the darkness that they're facing. So the dividing line. The, the dividing line of all human history, when the prophecies of the B.C. were fulfilled in the A.D. Now, that's, that's like time and people and nations and stuff, but let me look at this spiritually. Some of you, you remember the, that, that dividing moment when you trusted Jesus, and you remember your life before Christ. And some of you are like, oh, if you would have known me then. <laughs> you, you, I, and you're not the same person. Why? Because the light invaded your life. So you, you have a B.C., but now you're growing after your decision to trust in Christ. But if you're here in the room or watching online and you have never made the decision to trust in Jesus and your life is in darkness before Christ, I cannot teach this without giving you an opportunity to accept Jesus, the light of the world, into your soul. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. For those of you in the room that you have trusted in Christ, it's good to look through the time of your life before Christ just in the rearview mirror, just a quick glance to just help your gratitude and your thankfulness and your worship. But don't keep looking at your past. Move forward in the life God has for you after trusting in Christ. But if you have not trusted in Christ, I don't want to assume everybody has, your darkness needs to be invaded by the light of the world. He came to bring light to your life, to your soul, to your future and eternity. If you have never trusted in Christ as your Savior, right where you're sitting, right where you're watching, 
from your heart to God, say, God, I am a sinner. My sin has separated me from God, and I am in spiritual darkness. But today, by faith, I'm going to place my faith in Jesus Christ, the light of the world, that he went to the cross to pay for my sin, and he rose again proving that he was indeed the Son of God. So today, by faith, I say, yes, Jesus, be my Savior. Bring your light into my darkness. With every head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, I've been praying for two weeks now that someone would trust in Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer, trusted Jesus for the very first time, would you put your hand high in the air so I can see it, so I can praise God for that? Anybody? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Jesus, thank you for being that dividing line. Thank you for coming into our darkness. Thank you that you weren't just the light for the Jews, but you were the light of the world. That you came to bring light even to Gentiles. Because your heart wants the world to be with you in heaven. So Lord, we pray for this series that would be not only inspiring to us and a good reminder and some, uh, another way of looking at, at Christmas, but also we pray in advance for our Christmas Eve services where we will unpack the light of the world and give people an opportunity. God, we pray that you would fill every service and that you would also draw people into your light. Help us as we invite that you would draw them to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you are, uh, heart is heavy and weary, something going on, we have a prayer team waiting for you under the cross there to pray with you. And if you're our guest today, your first time here, we'd love for you to swing by guest services. We have a gift for you to say thank you for being here at Grace Point Church. May you have a great rest of your day. Amen.